Welcome. Happy Father's Day, June 18, 2023. This is Pastor Mike Letterman with Christ-Lives.org. Now today we're going to take a break from our sermon series, The Final Countdown. Or are we? I'm going to let you decide. I'm going to challenge you to undertake a home improvement project around your house. I'm not asking you to put down new floors or a new coat of paint. I'm challenging you to undertake the most difficult of home improvement projects. I want to ask you to work to bring your home in line with God's word and God's will. I want to look at our homes today and on this Father's Day, part of what I want to do today is focus on the role of the man in the family unit. Our text today comes from Ephesians chapter 5, 21 through Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Let's read from God's word. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, starting verse 21. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husband in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished it and cherished it, even as the Lord loved the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery that I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayst live long upon the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, as we study the scriptures about the family and what God expects a family to be, you'll find that the man in the family is the key to making it all work the way God intended it to work. When you study the scriptures, you will find that God puts the primary responsibility for having a godly, biblical man as the leader of a godly, biblical family. I think that may be why men and husbands and fathers have been under such severe attack today in American culture. You know, very often in the media, the husband and the father is portrayed as some kind of bumbling, stumbling fool. We're aware that men are going through all kinds of pressures in our society. Men have tremendous job pressures today. The economy is tight, and there's more pressure than ever for men to provide for those they love. Men face tremendous temptations in our society today. There's the temptation of pornography, alcohol. There's the temptation to cut corners in order to make more money. All these pressures and many more are against men today. The feminist movement puts pressures on men. Dr. Paige Patterson once said that one of the greatest problems in American life today is the feminization of men. 
there's an effort by some to try to make men like women. The feminist movement once tried to sell America on the idea that there's no difference between a man and a woman, but the stubborn facts of biology have refused to go away. Let me let you in on a little secret. If men had to bear the babies, the human race would have died out a long time ago. That is funny, but it's true. Time Magazine a few years ago had a featured article on the difference between men and women. It discussed why men and women are different. The result of the article was they're just born that way. Well, duh. Men and women are just different. Their brains are wired differently. For example, for a woman, shopping is a social event. But for a man, he just finds what he wants, finds a store that has it, runs in, hopes nobody sees him, and runs back out again. Yes, men and women are different. You can see it on the playgrounds around schools. Boys and girls are different. Boys choose sides for their games on the basis of ability. Girls choose sides on the basis of relationships. When the boys play and somebody gets hurt, they just drag him off the field so he doesn't interrupt the game. But when a girl gets a boo-boo, they all gather around to encourage and support her. Men and women are just different. So I want to talk to you about the role of a man in the family. I've been encouraged in recent years as there was a renewed emphasis on manhood in America and the responsibility of men. Yet, a lot of guys in American culture have never been taught. They never had a role model. They may have never had an example in their home. We need some godly men who can help other men become the men they ought to be for the glory of God. Today I'm going to be talking primarily to the men, the fathers. I'm aware of the fact that we have single parent families within the sound of my voice. I don't want what I say to be discouraging to you. I don't want you to be disappointed by it because you're trying to bring up a family in a single family household. God is going to help you in a special way. If you look at Psalm 68.5, it's a scripture you can claim if you're a single parent today. A father of the fatherless, a judge of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. That verse is saying that God will help you. And I'm not trying to say anything today that will make single parents feel bad. But God's idea for the family is that there's a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. That's God's idea relationship. Now having said that, I'm going to always say what I've always said. As a manager and leader of people, I've always cut single parents a lot of slack. And I will take my hat off to any woman or man that can raise a family by themselves because they have to be both father and mother. Amen. I'm going to use some verses of scripture today that are particularly directed towards the husband and wife relationship. But I believe I can extend what I'm going to say beyond that relationship to the entire relationship of a father in his family. What's said about the father and husband's responsibilities to the wife can also be said about his responsibilities of the father to the family. Let me share these responsibilities with you as I preach on the godly father yields a godly family. The godly father yields a godly family. You're supposed to love your families, father. Man, you didn't say, you're saying right now you didn't have to come to church today or decide to listen to me on the radio this morning for me to tell you that. You know that. You know that you're supposed to love your family. And I'm sure that you do love your families. 
I'm going to talk to you about today is what's really involved in loving your family. There are some illustrations given to us in Ephesians 5 which tell a man how he is to love his family. Three times in these verses that we read, it tells a man to love his wife. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives. Verse 28 says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. Verse 33 says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And then he illustrates it. In verse 25 he says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. Men, you're to love your family like Jesus loved the church. Now how did Jesus love the church? Love of Jesus for his church is a selfless, sacrificial love. Jesus loved the church. He loved sinners. He loved you and me so very much that he was willing to sacrifice his very life on the cross of Calvary. That's how much he loves us and that's how much men, fathers, you're supposed to love your family. You see, it's a sacrificial kind of love. I'm not trying, it's not about trying to buy the love of your family by giving them things. It's not a bartering with them for your love. You do this and I'll love you. It's not a conditional love. I'll love you if it's a sacrificial love. If you look at the word love, it is primarily a verb. Love is not just something you feel. Love is something you do. Love is a decision. You decide to love your wife. You decide to love your children. It's a conscious decision. It's a sacrificial love. You see, a lot of men have this whole thing wrong. A lot of men have the idea that to be a real man in the family means that you have to be a dictator or tyrant. Go get my shoes. That kind of guy. Serve me. Woman, bring me something to eat. Do all this for me. Uh-huh. That's why God invented cast iron skillets as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, this is funny. <laughs> but when you look, study the Bible, you find that God commands men to love their families like Jesus loved his church. It's a sacrificing, giving kind of love. Not only does the Bible say that a man is to love his family like Jesus loved the church, but in verse 28 it says to love as you love your own bodies. Now we men love our bodies. At least we take care to see their bodies well fed. <clears throat> we take care to see their bodies clothed. No man in his right mind is going to double up his fist and beat his own body. He's going to nourish it. He's going to cherish it. The man is to love the members of his family as he loves his own body. He's to take care of it, and that's why God wants a man to love his family. Then there's illustrations of it. There's some applications of how a man is to love his family. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Remember that what is said about husbands is also said about fathers and the members of the family. We're extending the application. Likewise, ye husbands and dads, well with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers 
be not hindered. What did it say? Let's go that again. Likewise, husbands and dads, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving what unto the wife? Honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, first of all, it says you're to dwell with them according to knowledge. That means there's to be some comprehension on the part of the father. It means that the husband and the father is do his best to understand the members of his family. Every member of your family is distinct and different. Every child is different. Every single person in the family requires special observation and special care. You know, I've seen this in our children. They may have the same parents and they had the same upbringing, but they're totally different. I see it in both our boys. We had similar upbringing, but they're different. If you have a dozen children, you're going to have a dozen different personalities. Sometimes more than one in the same body. You know, it's an amazing thing. Children can have the same dad and the same mom, and they're as different as day and night. You know, you have to study your wife, too. You have to study your sons. You have to study your daughters and learn to dwell with them according to knowledge. You don't discipline all children the same. You know, there's some children you can spank, and that child will never drop a tear. That child will just give you another stone-cold stare. There's other children, all you have to do is frown, and the child's broken-hearted and repentant and cried and is carrying on. They're all different, but there has to be some comprehension you need to know how to positively relate to the members of your family. Then the verse says, giving honor to them. That means courtesy. Treat every member of your family with courtesy. As a father and husband, you're to treat your family members with courtesy. It's an amazing thing that sometimes guests that come into your home are treated with more courtesy and politeness than the members of the family. Why would we treat guests in our home better than we treat the members of our own home? The father has the responsibility to love his family. So there's to be courtesy. Boo. I was in a grocery store about a year ago and this guy was in there with a little girl. I assume she was his daughter. Now, I don't know the things that had happened before they got to the checkout counter, but this is a little girl of about six, maybe barely six, and she's a typical six-year-old girl. She drops a candy bar into the cart. Daddy doesn't notice. She's hanging on the side of the cart, and he tells her to get down. She complies. A few minutes later, she's back up there again, trying to see what's on the conveyor to be rung up. This time, he snatches her by the arm and drops her to the floor. I'm thinking to myself, this is way too rough. Sometimes a swat on the backside works wonders. He could have easily broken her arm. I'm gritting my teeth, and she's standing there beside him, sobbing softly, and he gets to the candy bar. He looks at it, and before anyone could stop him, he backhands her across the face and knocks her to the cold floor. That's when Pastor Mike stepped in and said, now that's it. If you hit her again, you're going to have to hit me first. And I turned to the clerk and said, call 911. She did. I picked the little girl up while he suddenly looked on. 
I guess he became aware that Pastor Mike carries a Bible in one hand and a forty-five pistol for the other. Now, there's no need to laugh. I take my Second Amendment rights very seriously, and yes, I have a different carry gun for every day of the week, or I could. The police arrived. Everyone gave their stories. They took the gentleman away while waiting for the mother to arrive. I'm not going to go into all the details. I think you get the idea. The mother arrived, and she was overwrought. I'm sure this dad treats his drinking buddies better than he treats his daughter as he was ripe with the smell of whiskey. You know, it also says as being heirs together of the grace of life. There's to be this sense of grace in the family. When we understand that God has put us together and that we are to stand by one another, come what may, we're to comprehend the truth that every member of the family is vitally important and deserves to be loved, nurtured, cared for, and honored. Men, love your families. Fathers, love your families. This is the one that steps on my own toes. You're to be the spiritual leader of your family. You're the one who sets the pace in your family. You know, my wife and I were married for many years before I really stepped up to the plate to be the Christian leader that she was looking for when we were married. I went to church, don't get me wrong, but I didn't fully embrace the future that Jesus Christ and our God had for me to preach the gospel until about a year ago. What's involved in the man being a leader of the family? See, leadership rises and rides on other ships. One of the ships I'm going to call about today, talk about today, is lordship. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 20 and 22. Both these verses speak of the lordship of Jesus Christ. This passage that has to do with the family is written in the context of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. You cannot exercise authority unless you are under authority. If a man is going to exercise leadership in his family, he must understand the Bible principle of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, the man has the hardest role in the entire family setting. You see, it's the man's responsibility to yield himself to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's why every man needs to accept Jesus as his Savior, not only for his own sake, but also for the sake of his family. That's why every man needs to be totally dedicated to Jesus Christ as the Lord of his life. You can't lead your family to the Lordship of Jesus Christ unless you are under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The second ship is partnership. Visions 5.21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Family is a partnership between the husband and father and the wife and mother. It's an amazing thing to me that some men can lead major corporations yet they can't even run their own families. Maybe it's because one of them is more important than the other. Let me read you some comments about what one writer said that I find helpful. He's talking about so many running companies and yet their families are a disaster. He said, the man is active, articulate, energetic, and really successful in his work. But he is inactive, inarticulate, lethargic, and withdrawn at home. 
They, treat, they retreat silently behind newspapers, magazines, televisions, and highballs in the home. Or perhaps not so silently retreat in affairs, weekend appointments, and weekend arrangements outside the home. The absentee father. Did you know that there are one million children born in America every year out of wedlock? You know that means there are one million unwed mothers every year. But do you also know that means there are many unwed fathers? It takes more than your contribution of a sperm cell to be a father. Of those children born out of wedlock, by the age of 13, they are 60% more apt to be in crime, drugs, and illiteracy. Yes, it takes more than a drop of sperm to be a father. It takes a man willing to step up to the plate and be a daddy. Marriage is a partnership. God wants children to have not only a mother, but also a father, who's committed to the partnership of making that marriage work. It's a partnership. Blood does not make you a father. Commitment makes you a father. The third ship is headship. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Notice it didn't say the head over the wife. It said the head of the wife. Let's read that again. It didn't say the head over the wife. It said the head of the wife. It's not a dictatorship. A man is not the dictator in his family. He may be the head tater, but he's not the dictator. That means that the man is a source of protection and provision for his family. You men are responsible to protect and provide for your family. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the face and is worse than an infidel. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Now God bless some of you parents. You provide for your families. You work and bring in the necessary resources. You get in your cars. You deprive yourselves of needed rest and relaxation. And bring your sons and daughters so that they can be taught the word of God and taught to love the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to carry that on. Some of you men need to make sure that your family is in your pew when church time comes. You're the head of your family. That means you're a source of protection. You should never allow anything to come into your home that would entice your family to sin and fill them with the wrong kinds of things. Don't bring anything in that would be unwholesome. You are responsible for where your children go. You are responsible for what they do. What did I say? You're responsible for what they do. You're responsible for where your children go. Notice I didn't say the school system is responsible for what your children do. I didn't say the church is responsible for what your children do. You are responsible for what your children do. The spiritual nurture and development of your children is your responsibility, dads. It's not just the wife's. It's your responsibility. It's up to you to get that family in the car and bring them to Sunday school and preaching. I'm talking about Sunday morning, evening, and Wednesday night too. I'm talking about youth meetings. I'm talking about revivals and Bible conferences. I'm talking about taking advantage of every opportunity to help them learn about Jesus Christ and grow in their relationship with him. Amen. 
Some of you are going to reap a better harvest one day because you're teaching your children that homework is more important than church on Wednesdays. You're teaching them that their extracurricular sports activities at school are more important than the Lord. You're teaching them that excelling at sports is more important than excelling in the things of God. You're going to miss the boat with these children and there will come a day when they will show you just how well they have learned the lessons that you have taught them. The man is the head of the family also because he's the source of direction and decision for the family. Some of you men need to get a little steel in your backbone and make godly decisions for your sons and daughters in your family. Not only are you to lead and love your family. Look at verses 25 through 27. You are to lift your families. It says for husbands to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it so that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Watch this that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that should be holy and without blemish. See how Christ lifts the church? Men, that's the way you're supposed to lift your families. You're to help them grow in their gifts. Find out how God has gifted your family members and encourage them to develop those gifts and help to be everything that God wants them to be. You should want your children to be all that God wants them to be. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. Nurture the education of the mind and morals. They are trained in the ways of God. Admonition, exhortation. They are led in the will of God. You must help them become what he wants them to be. If God wants them to be a Christian truck driver, then that's what you should want them to become. If God wants that daughter to be a homemaker, help her achieve that goal. Whatever God has planned for your sons and daughters, that's exactly you know, what you should help them become. Help them to grow in grace. Help them to grow in their gifts. Help them to become the people God saved them to be and fulfill the purpose for which they are created. Don't be guilty of living vicariously through your own children. Don't force them into activities that don't interest them just because it's what you wanted to do. That's the intent behind Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, which says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. You know, it's a good thing to help your children get an education. It's a good thing to help them become financially secure. It's a good thing to leave them resources to live on when you leave this world. But if those things are all that you leave them, then you have failed them. If all you can give them is knowledge and wealth, you have let them down. Man, I want you to think of Jesus. Give them a spiritual heritage. Give them godliness and teach them the things of God that are most important of all. Being a father and a family man can be frustrating. It's full of unexpected hazards and dangers. There will be bad decisions. You'll get many things wrong along the way. Families don't come with a cookbook. Or maybe they do come with a cookbook. It's called the Word of God. The hard fact is fatherhood and godly manhood can never be completely mastered. You don't ever graduate from the school of fatherhood or godly manhood, but it's wonderful and fulfilling on those occasions when you do get it right. If you become the kind of man and the kind of father and husband that God wants you to be and lifts your family up to be everything God wants them to be one of these days, you will reap a good harvest in your children. 
you will see them used of God for his glory. You'll see them flourish spiritually. There's nothing better than that. You might just get a letter from that boy that says, Dad, I want you to know I tested you a lot. Dad, I want you to know that I did some things you weren't happy with. I know I gave you some difficulties. But Dad, I want you to know, as I look back on it now, I want to thank you for how you raised me. One of these days you may get a phone call from that girl. Dad, I just want to thank you. I want you to know I thank you so much for being a real man in our family. Men, it all starts in the family. If your faith doesn't work at home, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at work either. The family is either a sand dune or a sculpture. A sand dune has no shape or design to it. It just comes about by whatever environmental forces play on it. It has no real foundation. Tomorrow's wind will change the shape and look at that sand dune, but the sculpture has design, intention, and there's a go. It has a purpose. Your family will either become a sand dune swept and born, blown away by the sounds of culture and circumstances, or your family will be a sculpture with design and purpose and a goal for it. I think it all comes down to the kind of man you decide to be. <clears throat> now some of you dads and husbands need to get before the Lord and ask him to help you be the man you should be. You know, some of you out there have failed to lead your family like you should. You can fix that today. Some of you wives need to pray for the man that God gave you. Maybe you haven't supported him like you should. Maybe you've hindered him from leading the family. Some of you children need to pray for your parents. Maybe you need to ask God to forgive you for your rebellious attitude. You need to thank God that he's given you a good, godly family. Some of you need to come together and pray. You need to get on God's path and walk in his will for his glory. Men, I know this sermon may be hard for some of us. I put myself there as well. And being a father and a husband is a tough job. I know that you're up to it. I do. I know that you're up to it. With the help of God, all things are possible. Would you bow with me, please, if you can? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, dear Lord. We thank you for this day set aside to remember our fathers. Father, you give the best portrayal of what a father should be and should look like for his children. God, we thank you for all the mercy and tender love that you extend to us as your children. We thank you for your son Jesus who you so graciously gave to die on the cross for your other earthly children. Father, we love you. If there be any today in the sound of my voice that needs to come to you, Father, I ask that they do so. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. If some of you made a decision today. I, I would like to know about it. Um, if you would, please send an email to ministry at christ-list.org.
or visit our website, christ-lives.org slash contact and send a, leave a message for us through the contact page. If you want to leave your name, if you have a prayer request, I think it would be an honor for me to pray for you as I have for so many others. Men, have a happy and blessed Father's Day weekend. In Christ's name, amen.